For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. It's about to go. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm sick to this. This the, the real deal. And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max. Sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! What's up, everybody, and welcome into another episode of The Buffalo Nerd. Uh, doing a little extra episode this week because we just had the draft, and I felt like there was a couple franchises that uh, really had some big things happen during the draft that I wanted to touch base with some folks from the, you know, their fan base, if possible. So uh, yesterday we caught up with uh, Lori Fitzpatrick from the Jaguars to, to feel see what's going on in Jacksonville right now that they've saved the franchise with the golden boy Trevor Lawrence. And so this uh, episode, I want to sit down with Dave Kluge, who is a a Bears fan and uh, I'm really curious to see what Chicago's feeling after I feel like made a, a great move um, to come up and make a make a wise decision for the franchise that could really be the turning point so I'm curious to hear what uh, Dave has to say uh, but also Dave's a numbers guy and he does a lot of other things too so before we get uh, too deep into me telling you everything about Dave Dave why don't you take the floor man and uh, let me know a little bit about yourself yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, Colt. Um, yeah, you know, primarily I'm a uh, fantasy football guy, but I am also a diehard Bears fan. I know we're uh, doing this audio, but you can see I got a Jay Cutler helmet sign behind me. Just Bears memorabilia just dripping all over the studio. Uh, you know, I've been, been, I was born into Bears fandom. It's not something that I really chose. But yeah, man, this this uh, this draft really injected a little bit of life into a fan base that really, really needed it. It's really hard to rally around and get excited about a season when you're going in with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles <laughs> as your one-two punch at QB. So, you know, finally landing that guy is certainly exciting. Yeah, it is. And it being, you know, a Bills fan, I was similar to you. I was born into it, right? It was just where I came from. So you naturally like the Bills, but we've been searching for the quarterback forever, right? It feels like it's been centuries since we found a quarterback and now we found a guy. It feels like the Bears have potentially maybe not only found the guy, but kind of had him almost fall to them in a position where they could actually get him right when they probably realistically shouldn't have had a shot if anybody else in front of them was like being kind of intelligent. Um, but we'll see. I mean, obviously, you never know how these guys are going to pan out. Right. So, I mean, yeah. it's exciting on the surface for sure. Right. I mean, I had him as my QB three. I didn't think he was going to make it past the 49ers, honestly. And then just to see him keep dropping, keep dropping. And then when the Bears traded up for him, I started having flashbacks to 2017 where the Bears traded up for a quarterback. And I was like, all right, this is it. We're getting Deshaun Watson. And then they announced Mitch Trubisky. I think had they said Mac Jones on that uh, that Thursday Oof. night, I might have I might have kicked the hole through my TV. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I, the, I couldn't have done the Mac Jones thing there at all. I still don't like it even where the Patriots got him. I, I just have a hard time believing it. I, I don't believe in the Alabama quarterback right now because I haven't seen any of them truly succeed in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I can imagine. And we've got your boy Mitch, you know, over as our backup quarterback now. But yeah, I immediately when I saw trade up 
and they went quarterback, I was like, okay, so they got fields, which is awesome. Um, but I wonder if every Bears fan is like having a heart attack right now or just thinking, God, we just did this a couple of years ago and it didn't work. Right. Like, yeah. so is it, is it going to work this time for us? Right. So I will say, though, cool. I, 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 I think, yeah, Mitch go ahead. Trubisky, I think Mitch Trubisky is a great backup for you guys, though. I think that he never really got a fair shake in Chicago. Uh, you know, they tried to force him into being something that he isn't. And, uh, you know, I don't want to make the comparison to Josh Allen at all because Josh Allen truly is an elite quarterback. But Mitch Trubisky and Josh Allen have a very similar style of play so you know god forbid josh allen does need to miss some time mitch trubisky is a great guy to fill in and still keep that offense pumping oh when we when we got him i was like cool i'm i'm i felt a hundred percent better than where we were i mean barkley was not a great backup quarterback right and the reason i didn't really like barkley is because when he would have to come in i knew the game plan would have to change and like you just mentioned with mitch I don't think the game plan is going to have to change, right? He can still run a lot of what Josh could run. Is he going to complete it the same way and do all that? Probably not, but who cares at that point? He's more than capable. I think of winning you a game, especially because he should feel a little rejuvenated, you know, and I think him and Josh working together is only going to help him. Like there's no way that that can't not help him to be around another young dude. That's just having success, loves the game. You know, like I, I think I've actually been saying ever since it happened that if Brian Dable gets a job, next season as a head coach that Mitch Trubisky could be his starting quarterback, right? And yeah. he's just going to get a year to groom him and get him in the system and get him ready and just take him with him. Right. You know, I can it's a see one year it. Deal. So I can see it. And we didn't really mention Dave, you got to mention your fantasy stuff a little bit, but you do write for like football guys. You write for fantasy pros. You do your own podcast. You're on friggin' a trillion shows a week. It feels like probably for you. I mean, uh, you sent me your lineup for this week and it was like one, this day, this day, two, this day, two, this, it was like, yeah, dude is busy. So you do a lot of the fantasy stuff too. Right. So numbers are kind of more your, your style as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Football Guys, Fantasy Pros, those are the two uh, main publications that I am working with, doing uh, some writing for Fantasy Pros, as well as working on their news correspondence desk, where we're trying to bring all that breaking information to you immediately and then putting the spin on it as to how that affects the fantasy landscape as well. With Football Guys, I'm doing a little bit of everything over there. Uh, I've got a show that I'm doing with Lauren Carpenter on Tuesdays. I'm actually rolling out a new show uh, within the next week or so, with Troy King that'll also be under the football guys umbrella. And then I've got my own show that I do on Thursday, uh, two point stance where I bring, or I'm sorry, on Thursday, it's the launch pad where I have two guests on. And uh, for me, it's just kind of a way to give a limelight to some of the people that are coming up, some newcomers in the industry, help them get a little bit of exposure. And then on Fridays, I've got our Friday show with Steffi Smalls. And that's just Steph and I, you know, co-hosting that show. And we have had some great guests on that. We've had Matthew Berry. We've had uh, JJ Zacharyson, uh, Mike Taglary. We've got Marcus Grant on this Friday. So that one's been a lot of fun because it gives me an opportunity to work with some of the big people in the industry. So uh, yeah, I've, I've got a lot going on right now, but it's uh, it's keeping me busy and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think everybody listening in here too should know most of those people because I've had Troy on, uh, I've had Steffi on, um, so I've I've had pretty much everybody that you're around uh, for the most part on so far. And uh, I think I have Lauren's coming up in June. She's going to be coming on with me in June actually as well. So yeah, I think everybody is uh, pretty much coming on that you just mentioned. So very cool. And before we get too deep into the uh, football stuff and everything, we do like to every week, you know, highlight a charity. Uh, So this this week was Dave's choice, of course, and uh, Dave went with Movember, which is uh, very cool and uh, actually when i saw it i immediately just thumbs up because i was like all right cool it's the first one that's actually just kind of more male oriented right you know it's kind of it's fun so dave why don't you uh kind of tell me why you chose it well it's uh you know first of all i've rocked a mustache for a long time and i'm wearing the beard right now but i rocked my first mustache as a uh halloween costume back in 2011 when i came out as mike ditka on halloween and i wanted to be as authentic as possible so i went out and got the old school sweater and and the shirt and all that and and wore a very real mustache i thought you know this this kind of suits me well (laughs) and so I i had a mustache for a few years but then it started in my office i was working at a sales office in chicago where we had about 250 people that were predominantly male. You know, it was a logistics sales office. And I said, uh, hey, you know, let's try to get this November thing going. We've got a lot of guys here. Let's see if we can do something. And our first year there, we raised over $12,000 just by getting pledges from people in the office and their family. We ended up having about 80 guys in the office, grew out a mustache. And then it just turned into this thing every year that just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, by my final year in Chicago, 
you know, we were renting out a bar and throwing this huge party where it was like hundreds of people wearing mustaches. We were raising tens of thousands of dollars every single year. So I have since left that job and moved out of Chicago. But uh, I announced it about a month ago on Twitter that I'm planning to do the same thing this year with the fantasy football community. You know, there's this awesome community online of people that talk fantasy football on, on shows and, you know, you're seeing their faces all the time. So I said, hey, you know, let, let's see if we can try to get this same thing going, the same momentum that I had at my sales office in Chicago and see if we can go worldwide with this. But uh, really, I mean, what they did, it started off uh, as prostate cancer research, which was predominantly for men. And they have since expanded it a little bit. And the thing that really jumps out for me is mental health awareness for men. I feel like it's something that, you know, was very taboo just two or three years ago. And you see people now getting more and more comfortable talking about that. And, uh, you know, it's something that I've had my struggles with. And I feel like a lot of people do and don't want to talk about it. And I've had to go through therapy. And I went through uh, stretches of time where I was having panic attacks. And it's something that is still somewhat taboo. And I just, uh, you know, the, the idea of donating money for a good cause like that is something that I can fully support. And then just the mustache itself makes it fun. So I'm, I'm hoping that come November 2021, just about every single podcast that you'll be tuning into in the fantasy football scape will be by a bunch of mustached men. <laughs> That's going to happen. I mean, there's no way it's not going to happen. I mean, when you talk about the the fantasy football community, I mean, it, it is like that. Like you, you bring one of the guys on and immediately, you know, everybody else in the community, right? Because they're all shouting them out. They're doing everything. So that's absolutely going to happen. I mean, you can count me in on that too. I'll do. I mean, I can actually, that's like the only thing I can grow is a mustache. So um, <laughs> I'm definitely in for that, but very cool. And I mean, and you, like you mentioned it, it's fun, right? Which is cool. And that's, I think initially it was kind of, it was meant like everybody thought it was kind of a joke, right? When it, when it first started happening, right? It was like this, what is this dumb thing that guys are doing right now? Right. But it mm -hmm. is actually super valuable of what they're doing, right? If you, if you actually go and look at the research and things that they do and they're, everything that's taking place, it's really, really cool. Yeah. And it, yes, it's fun and it, creates the camaraderie and everything else, which is super cool. And, you know, you don't necessarily get to dress up like Dick uh, and help make money at the same time. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. So like we always do, everything will be in the show notes for you guys to go over there, donate, find out different things. Obviously you now know that in November you've been challenged by Dave to personally <laughs> do it with him. Right. So that's, that should happen for everybody involved. So very cool. So, we just had a draft. We mentioned it a little bit. You guys, I felt like had this great move where you've got the guy, you said he was your number three is, does this make like big changes for you this season? Or is this more of a long-term kind of, we're just going to wait and see And this season's still going to kind of be like maybe the Andy Dalton season or what are you, what are you anticipating? Well, the bears still have $18 million tied up between Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. So um, they've, they've got some other big contracts that are coming off the books after this season as well. Uh, Jimmy Graham will come off the books, which he's getting paid $8 million. Robert Quinn has an out in his contract, which I am praying the Bears take over. I mean, just, just rewinding for a quick second for those that aren't really tied into the Bears. Uh, they spent a first round pick on Leonard Floyd, declined his fifth year option, let him walk, and then went out and signed free agent Robert Quinn to a $75 million deal when they could have just kept Leonard Floyd, who's the younger and better player. I don't want to get started on that too much because that move really, <laughs> really upset me. But I'm hoping that they'll be able to open up some cap space next year and surround Justin Fields with a little bit of talent. Um, but, you know, I, I've seen this happen a lot of times in the history of the Chicago Bears franchise where they have a quarterback that is raw and unpolished and they just think that he can go out there and play hero ball. We saw it with Jay Cutler when they traded for him. Jay Cutler was surrounded with talent and had a great offensive line in Denver and looked phenomenal in his final year in Denver and then came to Chicago where they had no offensive line. Devin Hester was his number one receiver and he went from getting sacked 12 times in his final year in Denver and thrown for 47 yard, 4,700 yards to taking 86 sacks in his first two years in Chicago. And you just saw him regress and he got worse seemingly every single week. So with Cade McNown, they took him in the first round a few years back, didn't surround him with any talent and he never you know, turned out to what he should have been. Rex Grossman, another first round quarterback that they drafted. And yeah, they were able to make a Super Bowl with him, which was great. But that was not really Rex Grossman carrying them to a Super Bowl. That was uh, Brian Erlacher, Lance Briggs, Charles Tillman, that phenomenal defense that they had. Right. So my fear is that they are going to botch what they have in Justin Fields. And it's something that, you know, I'm just trying to be a uh, 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but it's something that I've seen happen time and time again, and I can't help but shake those feelings a little bit. So I think that there's kind of two routes that you can take. I think if Justin Fields comes out in camp and is just lighting it up and they say, hey, you know, this is the guy. He can really throw the ball. The teammate like, teammates like him. Everyone's rallying around him as a leader. Then go ahead and plug him in week one. I think the other thing you can do is just wait. I mean, there's no reason. I don't think that the Bears are in any opportunity to win a Super Bowl this year. So there's no reason to rush him on the field. You know, let Dalton go out and do his thing. They're paying him big money. And, you know, if it's a lost season, if they're out of the playoffs and there's a few weeks left in the season, go ahead and get Fields out there and let him get some reps. But what I don't want to see them do is exactly what they did with Mitch Trubisky, which was start the season with Mike Lennon and then cave into the fan and media pressure after the team gets off to a slow start and give him his first taste of gameplay in the fourth quarter of a blowout loss. I don't think that's how you develop a quarterback, and that that's my fear with Justin Fields. So the first time he steps on the field for the Bears, I want it to be the first snap of the game. I want him to come out of the tunnel as the leader with the team behind him and play a full game of football. I don't want him going out there trying to play cleanup in a lost game or a lost season. Absolutely. I mean, but you want him to be able to prepare for the week, right? Like give him a week to actually prepare for the game he's about to play. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely, you know, we felt that way when we went up and we drafted Josh Allen too, right? It was one of those things where it was like, God, you hope this works. Right. And then you immediately put him out there and he wasn't surrounded by much, but is, do you think anything that's going on? Do you, are you a fan of the head coach right now? Do you still like Matt Nagy? Do you, I mean, is, is he still the guy do you think? Yeah, um, I, I don't think that he's terrible. Um, again, and, and I say this on almost every podcast when I'm talking about the Bears, the worst thing about the Bears, it's not their coaching, it's not their GM, it's not the ownership, it's the fans and the media. The fans are terrible, and the media just constantly needs to drum up some sort of drama. So everybody's talking about it right now that Matt Nagy is on the hottest seat of any head coach in the NFL. Matt Nagy came to a team that had Mitch Trubisky as their quote-unquote franchise quarterback, and that's what he had to try to work with, which isn't an easy thing to do. And, and you know, I was just sitting here talking about how Trubisky is one of the better backups in the league, and I believe that, but he's not a franchise quarterback. We, we, we've seen that over the years. But still, coming onto a team where he was forced to play with Mitch Trubisky, um, he still went 28-20 and 20 over those three years. He made the playoffs in two of those three years. So I think that it's kind of unfair to say that Matt Nagy is a bad coach because you know, he has found success with a less-than-stellar roster. And then the same thing goes for Ryan Pace. He's made a few really embarrassing picks as general manager. Kevin White. In the first round, unexcusable, trading up for Mitch Trubisky, also unexcusable. But he's also gone out and made some pretty good moves in free agency. He's found some late-round talent in the drafts as well. So this whole story about Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace both getting fired if the Bears start off slow or anything like that, the thing is it's probably going to happen because that's just how Chicago and that franchise operates because of the pressure from the media and the fans. But I don't think it's justified. I think that this will be one of those situations where – They could end up losing a few games. Matt Nagy gets fired. And then we're going to see Matt Nagy go to another team with a little bit of experience and become a great head coach. (laughs) Right. Isn't that how it always works? Sorry sorry to be so pessimistic, too. I hope I, you know, the plan wasn't for me to just come in and like just be a Debbie Downer on this show. But sometimes when you talk about the Bears, that's just where it goes. I mean, you're I'm a Bills fan. I mean, and you've up until just this last season, I mean, realistically, we were still kind of similar to this, right? It was like you felt like you had a a good enough football team to win more games and you weren't winning games or you get to the playoffs and you make just bonehead mistakes and you lose playoff games. Right. It's still and it's just ingrained in me as well that I still there's still part of me that says, yeah, but something's going to go wrong. Right. I mean, like that's what happens. Right. Like. Every year. That's why it took us 20 years to get here because it's something always happens. So I, I actually haven't felt that way in a long time. I brought this up before the draft was that this is like the happiest I've ever been coming into a draft because I didn't honestly believe that whatever decision we made was truly going to affect this team this year. Right. I, we have a good football team where we didn't get any worse this off season. If anything, we got a shade better. I wouldn't say that we got a hundred percent better to where we're necessarily going to be able to take down the chiefs yet or whatever, but we got a little better, right? And I think just being a little better and being able to compete every year is all you can ask for. So this now we're talking about fields and getting him some weapons. I mean, 
you like you like Allen Robinson, right? I mean, you a fan of Allen Robinson? I mean, he I think he gets a lot of bad rap a lot of the time for because this is apparently the media. Now that I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm <laughs> as I'm going back and thinking about some of these stories, I'm like, oh, okay. Now that I have heard that, uh, maybe I don't have the same opinion of it. But I think he's a great wide receiver. I mean, we had one one drop last season. I think it was I, I saw just recently like one drop and zero on the year before. Yeah, like 112 targets with one drop. I mean, that's that's a good football player, right? And you're getting that from not a great quarterback either, right? So that, that's pretty incredible, and you know that he's the guy, right? You, they're going nowhere else, right? So did yeah. they add anything else this offseason so far that really has inspired you to think that the offense is going to make leaps or jumps if it is Andy Dalton in there? Uh, no, and, th- and that's what scares me because right now the wide receiver two on this team is Darnell Mooney. And I think that Darnell Mooney is a phenomenal player. I mean, he can just blow the top off of defense. Like his route running ability, he looks like a five to seven year vet in the league. Like it looks like he's been doing this for a long time. You see it. He gets the separation. He's got the speed. Like he just kind of has that savviness that you can't really teach to a wide receiver. But the problem is he does the majority of his work downfield. And last year, Trubisky couldn't hit those throws Foles couldn't hit those throws. Throws. I don't think Dalton can hit those throws either. So what I really want is another big-bodied possession receiver like Allen Robinson. And and when I say like Allen Robinson, I think Allen Robinson is one of the top five wide receivers in the league. And that's not my Bears fandom saying that. I felt that way when he was in Jacksonville. And when he was a free agent, I was praying that the Bears were going to get him. And as long as I've been a Chicago fan, that's been like the only time ever where the number one free agent that's available that I want to come to Chicago actually comes to Chicago because every sport that I root for, you know, we thought that we were getting LeBron or Dwayne Wade or Carmelo Anthony, and we ended up with Carlos Boozer. I mean, that's just how it is for Bears fans all the time. Chicago fans, you expect these big free agents. It never happens. And then we actually landed Allen Robinson. But um, yeah, you know, I really wanted them to go out and, uh, you know, I, I like what they did in the draft in hindsight by addressing the offensive line, but they really ignored the wide receiver position until uh, I know they took Daz Newsome, but I think that was the, the sixth or the seventh round, sixth round, uh, Daz Newsome. And that's just not something that you can really get excited about as a number two option. So um, I, I think the Bears are on the same page where they wanted to add that type of receiver. They had Kenny Galladay. They brought him into Chicago, you know, brought him out to dinner, and they were trying to make something work with Kenny Galladay, and he inevitably chose the Giants. But uh, right now, I mean, Allen Robinson is he's a phenomenal player. Like, I, I think that I don't think it's out of line to put him up in that same tier as DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. We've seen this guy do nothing but produce. He had 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns with Blake Bortles as his quarterback. Blake Bortles is the best quarterback he's ever played with, and he still just consistently is putting up top 10 numbers. So I, I would love to see him stick around after this year and see what he can do with Justin Fields. But right now he's just on that one-year franchise tag, and, and I don't know where it's going to go after this. Yeah, he seemed a little unhappy too before signing that franchise tag, right? Which is, I was like, there's no way you can't, no way you can let him go. I mean, like, what are you going to do then? Like, you might, you're just tanking at that point. I would feel like it, you know, if you're going to get rid of one of the best, because I would agree he's up in that conversation. Him and like Keenan Allen to me are like two wide receivers that don't get nearly as much love as they should get for what they do. And I mean, mm-hmm. and they do it year in and year out. It's not like they're one hit wonders, not even two hit wonders. I mean, they're consistently putting up good numbers with rookie quarterbacks, with bad quarterbacks. Like they're they're doing it. Those they're both phenomenal. So, and, and the thing, he was Alan, a, Alan Robinson, he doesn't put up those flashy plays. Like he doesn't. He's not going right. to make the the plays like where DeAndre Hopkins is out jumping five guys in the end zone or. Odell Beckham is doing half a backflip and catching the ball with one hand. That's not what Allen Robinson's going to do, but he's just like steady Eddie out there. Just every single time they throw the ball to him, he's going to catch it. He's going to fall forward and he's going to pick up those extra yards. And he just does it consistently. Like they're like, it's never like you are watching Allen Robinson and scratching your head, trying to figure out why he made a mistake because he doesn't make mistakes. He is just as polished as you can get at the receiver position. Yeah, I mean, when there's when there's talk of him becoming a free agent, I mean, I, my ears were pinging like it would be really awesome if the Bills somehow figured out a way to get him across from Stephon Diggs. Like it'd be like a nightmare scenario for anybody. And then, I mean, we went out and got Sanders this offseason, which isn't Allen Robinson, but it's the same concept, right? I mean, it's but with Allen Robinson, you would have like all world talent on both sides. Like you would be nothing you could do. 
I mean, I mean, what, what I do. really want to see, and it's it's such a pipe dream, but you know, they keep talking about how uh, the Falcons are thinking about dealing Julio, and if we can somehow find a way, I mean, that that's the one thing where you know, even if they didn't think that Justin Fields was fully prepped and ready to go, if you can put him on a field with Allen Robinson and Julio Jones, like just two monsters that can rack up yards after the catch and catch everything thrown their way. That's what you want to set up for a rookie quarterback. So if, if, if we can somehow start the season with Justin Fields, Julio Jones and Allen Robinson, that would be a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, that'd be incredible. It's in some, it's just weird because you would always think in the NFL before, like stuff like that wouldn't happen. But now you're seeing it happen like all the time. Like Tom Brady goes to Tampa and a guy becomes a free agent. He was like, yeah, I'll go play there for less because mm-hmm. right? we might win a championship. Right. Or I've always wanted to play with that guy. So I'm just going to go play with that guy now. Right. Like they may do things like that. I mean, it's crazy to think of stuff like that taking place. But I mean, you've also got scenarios right now where you've got great wide receivers on both sides of the ball and it's happening. So it'd be awesome. And I agree with that. You have to you have to give your rookie something to work with. I mean, and Allen Robinson's going to be the guy. But if he's not staying next year, you know, fields could be looking at no good wide receiver to throw the ball to even to start out with. And that's not going to be a good start for a rookie quarterback. You have to, not only do you need an offensive line in front of him to give him a chance to throw the football, he's got to have somebody that can at least catch it on the other side. Right. I mean, make contested catches, right. Not just, this isn't college anymore. So I'm excited to see what you guys can do this season. So next day I was kind of wondering from you, in relation to the NFC North there that you guys are in is where do you think you're going to finish this year? Because there's, I mean, we still don't really know what's going to happen with green Bay. It sounds like they're going to kiss and make up or he's going to get all of his demands meant and he'll sign his new contract or whatever. Right. So Rogers could still be there, but the rest of the division's kind of, I mean, the lions are going to be brand new really. I mean, the Vikings have kind of been trending down, I think for a couple of years now, and I don't, they didn't really do anything this off season that really made me think that they're doing anything otherwise, especially yeah. with Kirk Cousins still at the quarterback position. But what, what's your thought with you guys finishing this year? Well, I think the bears are going to finish second in the division. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, that it's not a sexy team right now when you look at it, but I think even with Andy Dalton, they still have enough that they can finish second in the division. I mean, this is a team that made the playoffs last year with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles playing absolutely horrendously. And um, it's something that, you know, me and my Chicago fan buddies talk about all the time. And it's such an outdated concept, but like defenses really are a way that you can just stay in it. It doesn't matter how bad your offense is. If you've got an elite defense, you're in every single game. And this Bears team, you know, they they, they probably aren't going to win the Super Bowl, but they're going to hang in every single week. They don't get beat on the defensive side of the ball. Another huge thing is that last year, they had one of the worst turnover rates in the league. So this is a team that was still getting pressure, still sacking the quarterback, still hitting the quarterback, still defending passes. But turnovers are very, very fluky. And last year, those turnovers weren't going their way. Two years ago, they were top in the league in turnover rate. Last year, they were third worst in the league in turnover rate. So I expect that to kind of bounce their way again. When you've got the playmakers that they have, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, all of these phenomenal playmakers, I I think that you've got to expect more turnovers, which will put them in a much better position. So, um, I mean, the, the Lions, they have just been the joke of the NFC North for my entire life. I mean, it, it's just, we saw Barry Sanders give up early. We saw Calvin Johnson give up early. Like it's just, it's, it's crazy what happens in Detroit. Like that is the most downtrodden of any franchise. So there's somebody that I'm never even thinking about finishing at top of the division. You know, you could just pen them in for last place every single year. And then, yeah, I think that the Vikings and the bears are in a very similar position where the Vikings also, they beefed up their defense a little bit this year, but the bears, they just, they find a way to, you know, eat, irk out these just, ugly wins every single year. And I think we'll see that this year. So going to the new schedule, I think that they're going to be somewhere between an eight and nine win team. And we'll see if that gets them in the playoffs, but I think that is good enough for second in the division. Yeah. Do you, um, would you still feel like I kind of have right now, I feel like the AFC, even though they didn't win the Super Bowl last year is still like top to bottom, uh, more competitive than the NFC right now. No Stronger doubt. Te- just top teams heavy wise. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt at all. Yeah, I feel like the AFC is going to be, again, probably like, especially with the extra game now, you might have to win 11 
to get into the playoffs and on that side again this mm-hmm. year, maybe at least for sure, probably 10, but I would say NFC, you would probably be eight, nine again. You would potentially be right there, but the NFC always finds a way to, to like really beat itself up, right? They owe it. No team like always take runs away with it, right? It's like the divisions over there. They just beat each other up. So everybody's records are close. Like, yep. It always feels like that way, especially in the NFC East. Nobody wants to win that division every <laughs> year. So they're just like, yeah, let's just keep it close to the end and we'll figure it out then. Right. Like yeah. whatever. We'll see if a coach has, a life altering thing that he's fighting and we'll just get him in the playoffs. <laughs> right. You know, like we'll do what we want. So I felt like though, that the, the move was really inspiring because I brought Steph on, you know, earlier in the season and we were or early in the off season, we were talking and I was like, yeah, I've been watching Dave and I feel like he, he might have like a panic attack or a nervous breakdown the way that the bears right now are being told, like, it's going to be Russell Wilson. It's going to be Deshaun Watson. It's going to, you're getting a quarterback. You're getting a quarterback to, yeah, it's none of those guys. And then, Thank God the Bears got Justin Fields in the draft and like saved. I, I, me- I remember messaging you immediately after I saw it. I was like, oh, congrats, because you guys definitely needed something positive to go your way. I was feeling for you all, all off season. I was like, man, he's up, he's down. It's yeah. So it was a lot of a lot of fun though. But so we've talked a little bit about the defense now too, because I, I think obviously that's your guys' bread and butter still, right? And I agree with you that that is people overlook that, right? But we saw Kansas City lost the Super Bowl to a defense realistically. I mean, it's not like they got blown out the doors off of them by an offense. It was they lost to a defense, right? That's how they lost that Super Bowl. So it brings up a good point. But let's transition now because I like getting everybody else's opinions of my hometown team too, right? Because we all the local guys we can keep it all cool and we can everything's everything's great it's rainbows it's sunshine right the team's phenomenal nothing's ever going wrong but the the national media they they have their opinions i don't really like to listen to their opinions all that much because i don't really feel like they pay too much attention to football all that well realistically like some of the guys like you do um especially fantasy you're in it you're in every team right so i'm curious what do you think of the bills Uh, do you think that they are going to be the AFC champs again for the division? Do you think that's a possibility? Do you think they're going to be competing for a title again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think right now the two top dogs in the AFC are the Bills and the Chiefs. And the Bills right now, you know, they're they're the they're, they're both very young teams with young quarterbacks, which is going to make it. I think that we're going to see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen just duel in for years to come. And then you can even sprinkle Lamar Jackson in there. I mean, the AFC is just loaded right now with young quarterbacks that are, are going to be a lot of fun to watch. As for the AFC East, though, I mean, we already hit on the Alabama quarterbacks a little bit. I'm not a believer in Tua, so I don't like what Miami's doing down there at all. The uh, the the moves that I saw coming out of New England this offseason seem very frantic and desperate. I, th- I think those are probably the best words to sum that up, you know, just throwing money at Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and these other guys. And then you know, the Jets are just the Jets. They're pretty much the Lions of your division. So, yeah, I think right now the Bills are the runaway favorite. It would shock me if they don't win the division. I think that if you're placing bets on teams to win the division, I think the Bills taking that are probably the safest one you can go. Yeah. Uh Speaking on the New England stuff, I you, have you been seeing all the chatter lately that you know Belichick's going to win the division and he's getting he's he's making his moves and all this kind of stuff? I agree with the same thing. Like when I saw them spending all this money, which they haven't done recently, I was like, okay, so they went and they got Janu Smith, which was awesome, right? I'm like, that's a great, that's a great pickup. He's a stud. I wanted him in Buffalo, right? Like mm-hmm. that'd be an amazing add to your roster. But then they turn around and then they just go right back out and bring in another stud tight end, and I'm like, wait, what are they doing? And if I was Janu Smith, I would have been like, wait, can I change my mind? Like, <laughs> I thought I was going to be like the guy here. Like, what's what's this guy doing here now too, right? So I don't get it. I feel like it's going to be real competitive in the division this year. I do think, though, I'm not sure that we're going to run away with some of the division the way that we feel like we're going to. I think New England will contest us a little more than we believe, depending on who the quarterback's going to be. I'm I'm not anticipating seeing Mac Jones this season, but um, you know, I think it's going to be Cam still, uh, and I think that they've provided him a better better weapons. You know, he can throw the ball up the seam. He doesn't do very great on the outside, so bringing those tight ends, I get it. But I I would I try not to be like you know, too much of a homer all the time and like really love the team, but it does feel like we should win the division again. Like kind of almost like I know I said it'd be contested, but it feels like it should be uncontested. But just being a Bills fan, I know that one way or another, whether we're supposed to blow them all out, we won't. We'll Mm -hmm. win like somehow by like one touchdown late or a field goal late every time. Um, But that's besides the point. That's just how those division games are. 
I mean, yeah, it like, is. that's how division, every time it's an interdivision game, they always come down to the numbers. I mean, we saw the, the Jets take out the Patriots twice in the playoffs with Mark Sanchez. Right. I mean, who would have expected that to happen? That's just that's just kind of the way that those those interdivision games go. But yeah, you know, we don't we don't have to talk about the Patriots too much, but those those moves, like I said, they just seem desperate to me. Like they just went out and I think that was like a big middle finger to Tom Brady. Like, oh, watch, we're just going to do it without you. But at the end of the day, they've still got either Cam Newton or Mac Jones under center. I don't think either of those guys are going to be able to take down uh, the the division. Yeah, I know. I think it's going to be a challenge. I think their defense will be back this year. I think they yep. fell off a little bit defensively last year and they well, should they be had back. a lot of guys brought, opt out. Yeah. They, yeah, those guys should all be back, and they brought Van Noy back, right? So they're they're bringing some of that defense back. So I anticipate defensively they're going to be a lot better than they were, but it still does fall to this other side of the ball and who's going to be throwing it and who's going to be – because Cam, as much as people want to say they think he can do it, he, they think he can come back and make this, I'm not sure that he really truly can. I agree I with mean, you. Yeah, I mean, I just I, – it's not that I don't like Cam or I, he was a great quarterback. He had he did a phenomenal thing in the NFL, you know, the way that he came into the league, the style that he was playing. He, he was a great quarterback, but I don't, I don't feel like he can get it back the way that he had it then that he's going to need, especially when he's throwing the ball to Aguilar and, like, guys like that that – he, he does tend to be the guy that's like if a wide receiver drops the ball, you can feel he feels it, and he's like, mm-hmm. oh, man, what? Like, come <laughs> on, man. Like, you know, then he's just, like, dragged down. He goes and he puts the towel on his head, yep. you know, and he sits down. And he, so I, I, I think that not only are we going to win the division because of the quarterback situation, but also I feel like our coaching, which is really good right now, is just also a reason that we can be consistent with the division. I think we just we have such a like kind of hyper focus on how to be successful right now and it's working and it's a tight knit group. I think that's what wins us the division realistically. So let me uh, let me just turn it on you for a quick second, because I want to get your yep, yep. as a Bills fan. So I've heard a lot kind of two sides to the story when people talk about Josh Allen. And that's, you know, is the huge step that we saw forward last year. Is that for real? And did Josh Allen just get it figured out? Or are you expecting some regression now heading into 2021? Because, I mean, he, he looked phenomenal last year. He looked like the best quarterback in the league. And, and, and I'd love to see that continue. But on the opposite side of the coin, there's a lot of people saying, hey, you know, those numbers are kind of unsustainable. Well, it's going to be interesting because this year, if you look at it so far, just like the schedule will be dropping here soon of who's playing when, right? But we know who we're playing and we're facing a lot of rookie quarterbacks potentially this year. We're actually going to have a schedule that is fairly soft, it looks like, or what is supposed to be soft, right? I mean, it's all based off of last year's teams and everything else, right? So a lot can change in the NFL, so it's hard to really judge it. But the early strength of schedule says that he's going to have a fairly easy year, Um do the numbers are the numbers going to be there? I don't necessarily know because I think we're going to change the way we play a little bit, but I don't think he's going to regress in his play. I just think we'll see a different version, uh, you know, especially with bringing in Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think there's ways that he really can truly regress that badly, right? Unless right. he truly is just not capable of doing it. And I think we saw last year that he's capable of doing it. And he's just, he's, he's working with the same guys this off season. He's going through the same things. I mean, he's just, he cares too much about the game, I think to really truly regress. And like we've talked about a few different times, he's been set up, right? He's got good football players around him. He's got Stefan Diggs to throw the ball 150 times to if he wants to, right? He's got these things that he can do. He's got Cole Beasley, who's like untouchable underneath yep. if he really wants him, right? Like there's, and now you're going to have Sanders in there too. So I feel like it's just, what are you going to do now? I almost feel like saying, what are you going to do now? When we were talking earlier with Allen Robinson, I think we're kind of already there. Like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do now? Because Sanders runs a beautiful route. Diggs runs phenomenal routes. Cole Beasley runs phenomenal routes. Like it's going to be challenging. You're not even talking about my boy Gabe Davis. I love that game. And and that's not even getting him on the field yet, right? I mean, so, and then that's not even addressing the tight end, which I still think we we need to address because I'm not sure Dawson Knox is the guy yet unless we need a phenomenal play. I mean, if we just threw him the ball every time when it was up against it, 40 yards down the field when he's covered by three people, he'd have like a hundred percent catch rate and he'd be awesome. Right. But that's not what happens for Dawson Knox for some reason. So, uh, but realistically, yeah, I don't think there's a way just because he's been set up properly. The offensive line didn't really change. Uh, the running back situation didn't really change. The scheme isn't really going to change that much. I think it's just, he's set up to succeed. You know, if I, and I don't draft him. I mean, I'll admit in fantasy stuff, I don't draft him, but that's because I purely don't want to have to hate him 
when we're losing the game and I'm losing fantasy because of and everything else. So I try to stay away from him as much as possible. It's a lot of fun though. So I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, some fantasy stuff real quick. Cause uh, you're a zero wide receiver guy, right? It's in your, it's in your profile. You're a zero wide receiver guy, but if you were just looking at you're telling any bills fan right now, like if you were going to draft just one bill, you can only take one for sure. Is it going to be Josh Allen, the guy that you would say you would go after? Or is there somebody else on the roster like the digs or like that would be that you would go after instead of? Um, yeah, I mean, it would have to be Josh Allen for me because I, I love my running backs and Buffalo just doesn't really have one. I'm, I'm actually well, he is the RB one. You would be drafting right. the RB one, right? Right. I, I'm in the middle of a startup right now, and I'm looking at my my board. And it's one of those slow drafts, you know. It's been going on for a few days, and uh, I just got Zach Moss in the 13th round. Right. So we're we're in around 14 now, and nobody's even touched it, Devin Singletary yet. And when you look at the fact that this is a powerhouse offense that can't support a running back, it blows my mind. So I, I wanted Chris Carson to go there. I wanted Aaron Jones to go there. Ooh, I wanted yeah. him to draft draft Travis Etienne. I thought there were so many things that could have helped this offense out, but they just seem committed to letting Josh Allen run the ball, which is great for fantasy purposes. So even if we do see a little bit of a touchdown regression, whatever it may be, um, uh, you know, a, a big thing that I preach on top of the zero wide receiver drafting is also the Konami code quarterback. And there's a few of those guys that kind of fit that mold. For those of you that aren't aware, it's just that, you know, rushing touchdowns are worth more than passing touchdowns. Rushing yards are worth more than passing yards. So when you get a quarterback that's able to rush the ball, it's almost like combining a running back and a quarterback into one position that you can plug into your QB slot. And we see it all the time. It's the reason Josh Allen was the number one fantasy quarterback last year. The reason Kyler Murray was top three. The reason Lamar Jackson was the number one guy a few years ago. And and just the way that it shakes out. So just just an example that's fresh off my memory that I just did. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, last year he was rushing all over the place. I looked at the sample size from the games that he started, extrapolated over a full season. Just his rushing alone, the rushing yards and the rushing touchdowns equate to 43 passing touchdowns. So when you've got a guy that can run the ball like that, it's like he's throwing an extra 40 touchdowns a year, which is crazy to think about. And and Josh Allen is one of those guys. So um, there's a very common theme when you look at my quarterback rankings and it's that the rushing quarterbacks are up near the top. So yeah, when I'm, when I'm drafting come that, uh, you know, late third to mid fourth round, that's when I'm looking to get uh, two of my top guys who are Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Okay, you just answered because I was going to ask you next where where would we be grabbing Josh Allen? Then so you're saying three four is where you it's you're, if you're going to go with the running quarterback guy, that's where you're that's where you're going to look is three four. Yeah, and and admittedly, you know, it, it sounds kind of crazy to say because Josh Allen finished as the QB one last year, but we talked that regression is expected just a little bit from his numbers. So I actually have Lamar Jackson as my number one guy, but if I get you know sniped and I miss out on Lamar Jackson, I'm totally happy falling back on Josh Allen as as uh, as my next quarterback. So let's say you you don't get it three four. Where does Dave then take a quarterback? So if I can't get one looking of those, at yeah. So if I if I can't get those two guys in the third or fourth round, then I'm hoping that come the sixth round I can snag Jalen Hurts. He's another guy that I am much higher on than the consensus. And uh, and then if I miss out on Jalen Hurts, then I'm just kind of screwed. And then I'm probably gonna wait until the very end and hope to draft Cam Newton in like one of the last rounds and hope that he provides me some sort of rushing floor. But we see this all the time. Um, you know, you, you see. The big weeks are the guys like you'll see Aaron Rodgers have a big week and Matt Ryan have a big week, but they don't lack any or they they lack consistency because they're reliant on touchdowns. So, yeah, if they go out and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns, they're going to have a great week. But if they go out and they throw for one touchdown, 200 yards and a couple picks, that's going to kill you in fantasy and you're not going to be able to win that week. So when you've got somebody like Josh Allen that you can almost just lock in for, you know, 50 yards rushing every single week. That alone is worth more than a single passing touchdown. So when he's got that rushing upside, it's like every single week he's going into the week basically with, you know, a passing touchdown and 50 passing yards in the books without ever even having to throw the ball. You just know he's going to pick that up from his rushing upside. And then, you know, he has a hundred yard game and a touchdown. All of a sudden, you know, he is automatically the number one scorer in fantasy. So so I, I love drafting guys like Josh Allen. And then Stefan Diggs, I think that he has, you know, the opportunity to finish as a top three guy. It wouldn't shock me if he is finishing up there with Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown. I think Stefan Diggs is in that tier. Uh, but just my 
personal draft strategy. I don't like reaching on wide receivers because they're so much deeper. Um, you know, it's just for, for me to pick a guy like Stefan Diggs when Joe Mixon and Austin Eckler are on the board, I can't really wrap my mind around it just because of the positional scarcity in the drafts that I've been doing by the fourth round running backs are just gone. Like there are no running backs. Like once you get out of that fourth round, you're, you're drafting miles Gaskin and, and Mike Davis and crossing your fingers and hoping that right. they don't get replaced. Um, but in the fourth round, you can also get guys like Allen Robinson, who we talked about a little bit earlier and, and Cortland Sutton in the fifth round and Deontay Johnson in the seventh round. And these wide receivers that I think could still produce not quite at Stefan Diggs's level, but you know, the, the gap just isn't as big as the gap would be for running backs in those same respective rounds. Yeah, that's funny because I think a lot of people really have a hard time with, and I've heard now that I've had a lot, I've been chatting a lot more with you uh, fantasy guys, is the fact that a lot of people are really comfortable with just waiting till the very end to get a quarterback if they don't get one of like a couple guys. Like they really just target a couple guys. And if those couple guys are not there and available, they're like, I'm waiting till the end. I don't even care. It's just going to like plug and play, I guess, and see what happens. Because I think a lot of people don't really truly capture that there is running back scarcity there. There, even the wide receiver stuff is more important in the early rounds. Like the value drop off at a certain round is like, it's off the charts. So you might as well just be flipping a coin, right? At some points, so some of these guys, if they're going to do anything or not. So I think it's wild. I, I, for the longest time, only I did this for probably like four or five years in a row. Every redraft I did was the ninth and 10th round. I took two quarterbacks back to back and I would just mm-hmm. take two decent quarterbacks that were like, middle like not who i thought would finish like between like eight and 12 probably and just took two of them back to back like and it worked a couple times but it probably wasn't the best strategy so that's funny i'm uh tomorrow on my show i've got a good friend of mine adam koffler coming on and he just did a tweet thread about this where that has always been he's always preached that you know get two decent quarterbacks in those mid rounds and then just stream them and he looked at his data from last year and he said he made the wrong choice 68 percent of the time that he was starting the wrong quarterback. Yeah. So he's like, you know, this is something I've preached for a long time. He's like, but I'm done with it. He's like, there's nothing more frustrating than having two quarterbacks and consistently starting the wrong one. He's like, so I'm changing up my draft strategy this year. I'm getting Josh Allen. I'm getting Patrick Mahomes. I'm getting Dak <laughs> Prescott. I'm getting Lamar Jackson. He's like, I'm not doing this again. I know exactly what he's talking about. Cause it would be so frustrating. You would always pick the wrong guy. You would. And mm-hmm. you, you I, I would get to the point where it's like, I don't even want to pick because I'm like, I just feel like it's going to be the wrong guy. Right. So yep. it's like, why would I even pick? You know, so I, I absolutely get it. And then after that, I did the same thing. I just kind of quit doing it. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to roll the dice with one guy and see what happens. I mean, realistically, like you mentioned, if you're not getting those top guys, if a guy, especially if a guy doesn't have like, if he's not throwing a lot of touchdown passes, it's you're just not going to make it up, right? There's no, he's not going to have a big day either way, right? I mean, if you get two touchdowns and 200 yards, that might, that's like an average quarterback day, realistically. I mean, or what we used to be used to seeing was just like he threw for 220 yards and he had two touchdowns. Sweet. Right now we see these guys that are like five touchdowns and three rushing, right? It's like, you know, so it's, it's a completely different world. It's wild, but I think it's a lot more fun. I, do you get into the dynasty stuff a lot? Yeah, I know a lot yeah. of the other guys that you're with are all dynasty. I just started getting into the dynasty stuff myself. I took over a team um, and just did my first rookie draft and I sent it to um, Jeff Bell. Actually, I sent him who I drafted and I was like, I don't think I did very good. <laughs> and I was like, I had, no, I had no idea what was going on. I was picking what I picked like seven, I think it was or something. And I was just like, I took, uh, I had NTN just was kind of sitting there. So I was like, yeah, I'll just take him. I mean, I can't really go wrong, I guess there. Right. You know, Uh, my only pick I liked was uh, the tight end out of, uh, that went to Pittsburgh. I took him with my second pick. Yeah. For Muth. I actually Mm -hmm. think he's a stud. I think he's going to be a phenomenal tight end. Everyone's everyone's going all goo goo gaga over Kyle Pitts and they, they forget that there's another pretty good tight end coming out of this round. Yeah. Just because he didn't play last year. Yep. Hey, just because he didn't play last year, he doesn't have any. But if you go look at his film the year before, and, and he's making some phenomenal catches on the sideline, one hand, like he's a big boy. I, yeah. So the, the I fun was thing happy about with Dynasty, I, I don't like creating a lot of Dynasty content because not a lot of people are playing it. But I feel like if you're in the industry, it's a great way just to stay sharp year round. Like I said, I'm in the middle of a draft right now. It is May. There is no reasonable explanation as to why I should be <laughs> drafting a fantasy football team. But, you know, I did one in February. I did one in April. I'm doing one now. And just watching the way that ADP's average draft positions change month over month is crazy. When I did one in February, I got Joe Mixon in the sixth round. Now Joe Mixon is getting drafted in the 
second round. And it's just like watching the way that the landscape changes and players value, like people are just so reactive. And it's, it's, it's really fun when you're creating content to see how reactive it is and being able to like associate numbers to that. Right. It's pretty wild. Uh, before we get into the nerd and out stuff, do you, when you're setting your lineups uh, for the week, do you look at Vegas numbers at all? I don't know, but I've, uh, I read a couple articles about it. Same guy that I just talked about, Adam Koppler, who's coming on my show tomorrow. That's something that he does. He uses the uh, Vegas player props as a way to kind of set his projections and who to, uh, to start. Um, you know, I, I, I am a numbers guy when it comes to like drafting, but when it comes to setting my lineups, I'm very much a just gut reactive type player. Yeah. I usually don't even look at my, cause I used to drive myself nuts, tweaking lineups nonstop throughout the week. Now I wake up Sunday morning, I set it and then I don't look at it again. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't think I can do that, but that's awesome. <laughs> I really like that. So moving into the nerding out session, I want to pick your brain a little bit just on some uh, non-football related stuff and see what's going on with uh, Dave. Uh, So first question up for you in the session is what is like your favorite book or sports book? Or I know we talked a little bit offline. You don't necessarily have a sports book, but what's a book you would recommend that people should read or somebody that they should read? Yeah. So uh, when you, when you asked me this question, I used to be obsessed with reading when I was a a little kid, you know, we had that uh, accelerated reader program in school and I wanted every single year I was, uh, you know, I got to be principal for the day and got to take free days off and and all that fun stuff. I was obsessed with reading. And as I've gotten older, I I find myself reading a lot more articles and, and, and stuff online, but I don't read books as much as I used to. Um, But as far as sports book, I'm going to kind of turn this just a little bit. It's not necessarily a book, but um, Hunter S. Thompson is somebody who I, uh, I don't know if idolize is the right word, but I really enjoy his style. And he wrote a, uh, an article for Sports Illustrated back in the 60s called The Kentucky Derby is Decadent and Depraved. And it was something that I read that I really loved. And, you know, when people think of Hunter S. Thompson, they think about the the drugs and and the guns and and all the things that kind of made him a bit infamous. What a lot of people don't realize is that he got his start in his career as a sports writer working for Sports Illustrated. And he did this uh, cover of the Kentucky Derby. That was awesome. That's where you met Ralph Steadman, who did a lot of the artwork for the books that he published later on in his life. But even Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, you know, the movie and the book that, you know, it, it took on this life of its own. But that was actually uh, he was supposed to go out for Sports Illustrated to Las Vegas to cover a dirt bike rally. And that's what he was there for. And then it turned into this story about, you know, drugs and all sorts of crazy other stuff. But uh, at the basis, that was him going out to cover a dirt bike race. So he's somebody that I really like because he just kind of pushed the bounds on what normal journalism and writing is. Put himself as a first person character in a lot of his stuff. Uh, wasn't really very objective. And, and you know, his, his style was a lot of fun. So that's a piece that I recommend checking out if you haven't before. Um, it's, it's a very weird and twisted read, but it's from Sports Illustrated, Hunter S. Thompson. The Kentucky Derby is decadent and depraved. Very interesting piece. Awesome. That's a good storyline uh, backing it up to. I didn't know any of that stuff about him going out there to just cover some motocross, and that's what came out of it. That's, he should probably go back there a few more times if that's what happens when he goes there, right? Because he just writes incredible <laughs> books, and then he makes millions of dollars off of it. So yep. uh, very, very cool. So up next, uh, I know you're a numbers guy. You like fantasy and stuff like that. You're a Hard Bears fan, but what really brought you to football? What what got Dave into football? Got you doing what you're doing now? Why you really love the game? Man, I was born a football fan. I don't think I ever really had a choice. Um, I, I, I say this all the time, but when you're in Chicago, and I think Buffalo is kind of the same way. There are long long cold winters and the one thing that gives you like a little bit of warmth and sunshine during those long cold cold winters is watching football so i i didn't have a choice you know i was born to uh parents that were season ticket holders my grandpa you know he just carries around a a a little notepad tucked into his front pocket all the time that has all of his bets for the week and you know it's just like my my family is a bunch of degenerate football fans um i've told this story a few times but when my grandpa walked my mom down the aisle on her wedding day he handed her off to my dad and said whispered in his ear he goes remember Sundays are for football so I I didn't have a choice I was going to be a football fan from day one and then uh, I got into my first fantasy football league then when I was in uh, what seventh or eighth grade I can't remember exactly but it was my dad's fantasy football league and that's what introduced me to the world of fantasy football and I've just been uh, a huge fan ever since 
Awesome. I love it. That's a great story <laughs> on the wedding day. That's a good one. That's definitely a diehard fan right there. Could have said anything Absolutely. like take care of my baby girl, anything. And it yeah, was anything, remember, right? Sundays are for football. <laughs> that's awesome. Cause I tell people all the time too. That's the way I felt like people are like, we growing up, did you go to church on Sunday? And I was like, no, we, we watched Bill's football. Like that was church, right? That, yep. that was, that's how the family got together. That's what, we, I mean, that's what we did. Right. I mean, it's, so it's, I, I definitely feel you in that boat, but that's, that's an awesome story. All right. So up next, and you can feel free to say your own because I know you have, you have them. Um, but what's your favorite podcast? Or if you're just hanging out, you know, you're not wanting to jam on the sports stuff or necessarily, or do you just have a favorite podcast that you listen to? Um, yeah, there, there's one, it's a weekly show called the open bar podcast and, um, they don't have a big following. They've been around for, for years and, um, you know, they, they don't do a lot like with marketing themselves for whatever reason. When I got invited to the show, I didn't even really know what it was, but man, the two hosts on the show, J Mike and Gabe are just phenomenal. Um, I'd recommend checking it out. And uh, up until I went on this show, every show I had done, it wasn't scripted, but they all had a show sheet, you know, where we knew what we were going to be talking about. We knew the questions. I was able to prep for it. And this guy, Gabe, reaches out to me and he goes, hey, you want to come on my show? And I was just like, yeah, sure. When are you sending the show sheet over? And he just kind of started poking some fun at me. And he's like, clearly, you haven't seen our show before. So I was a nervous wreck going into the show because we get on and I was like, so what are we doing? Like 45 minutes and to an hour. And he goes, nah, you know, we usually shoot for at least two hours. I was like two hours with no show sheet at all. And I was so nervous, but man, these guys are just so funny and easygoing and ended up being uh, one of the most fun show. I mean, no, it was the most fun show I've ever been on in my life. And it was just because of the hosts, J Mike and Gabe. So um, I actually went through this morning and uh, shared that video uh, from, from when I went on their show back in March, I shared it to my Twitter, but it's just, uh, I don't know. You just got to watch it for yourself. These guys are unique and witty and quirky and it's, it's a really fun show to be on. I like it. We're going to have to check it out because I'm always looking for something new to listen to. That's also why I wanted to do this, right? So I could find some other cool things to listen this to. This is like 5% football content, just so you know. They, yeah, they, uh, yeah, they need they a break shoot from late this at stuff. night. Everyone just kind of plugs in. Uh, they told me they said have plenty of drinks ready. So I had four beers laid out of my desk <laughs> and we just got after it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's uh, similar. I think Jimmy Christensen, uh, he's a Packer guy. He has a little Barty's bar. They do the same similar mm -hmm. kind of thing where they just hang out, drink beer, do their thing. So very cool. All right. The last one up is I know you're a Bears fan, so there's got to be something sticking with you here. But if you just were thinking back to yourself, what's like one play or like a flag or just like a play call or like a player in general just for a season that you were just like, holy crap, man, just like the worst thing ever. Just itchy at your core. So, uh, man, I've got so many routes that I can go with this as uh, as a Bears fan, but I'm actually going to flip it a little bit and try my hardest not to be a homer here. I think the worst play call I've ever seen in my life was the Calvin Johnson no catch week one of the 2020 season or I'm sorry, the 2010 season. And, uh, you know, it worked in the Bears benefit. The Bears were able to pull out the W. I don't know if you remember that game or not, but that was the first year where they changed the rule to you need yep. to complete the process of the catch, whatever yep. the heck that means. But you see Calvin Johnson go up over two defenders, less than 30 seconds left, come down with this unbelievable catch both feet on the ground, falls butt to the ground, puts his non-ball hand on the ground. And then as he's standing up, he kind of flicks the ball away and starts celebrating. And then they review it and they say that it wasn't a catch. So that's one that, like I said, worked in my fan as a Bears fan or worked in my favor as a Bears fan. But that is just permanently ingrained in my head to this day. That was a catch and Kelvin Johnson was robbed. Oh, yeah. And he was just doing what he did all of the time, too, which is the other part, right? It was like, we've seen him do this like 800 times and you've called it a catch 800 other times. So why is it not a catch today? And this thing still eats us to this day, right? They've gone back and forth on this catch rule and they're changing it again and they're changing it again. It's like, can we? it's a catch, man. I mean, like they were doing it back in the day. No problem. Why do we have to make this difficult now? Right? Like he didn't mm -hmm. roll all the way to the ground with the ball wrapped against his chest, exactly 13 <laughs> centimeters away all the way through the roll. So that's not going to be a catch this year. Sorry. You know, it's yep. like, no, dude, that's a catch. So I like that one. I'm glad you brought that up. But so we're coming up here on the hour. So in closing here, uh, I, you know, I just want to shout out Dave. Uh, thanks for coming on, Dave. It has been a blast chatting with you so far. Um, but I want to give you an opportunity to kind of shout out uh, anything else that you're working on, anything you got coming up. I know you got a whole slate of shows and all of your contact info will be available for everybody in the show notes and everything. But what would you like to shout out? Yeah, man, it's gotten to the point where it's too hard for me to even plug everything. Um, I went full time into this. Uh, uh, it's been almost a year now that I've been full-time in the industry and 
I've got shows and articles coming out every single day. So I tell everyone the same thing. Just give me a follow on Twitter and you'll see what I'm up to at Dave Kluge. I like it. So it's nice and simple. And he does have everything there. You can get his link tree. It takes you to everything else he's working on, his articles over at Fantasy Pros, Football Guys, all that kind of stuff. So that's not even counting the 800 shows that you could watch him on or just watch his own shows, right? So very cool, Dave. Thanks a lot for being here. Um, you know, I want to thank everybody that's listening. And, of course, you know, I wouldn't be doing the show if there wasn't anybody listening. So thank you very much again, guys, for being here listening to us. Uh, Dave, thank you very much for your time today. Um, and Make sure you guys are following Dave uh, on Twitter so when November rolls around, you guys can Movember up and we can make sure that uh, everybody that's watching podcasts and being on podcasts and hearing podcasts is all mustached up as well. And, of course, if you guys are looking to back up the show, support the show, you can head over to thebuffalonerd.com and find out everything I'm doing over there. And, of course, we'll see you guys next week. Mask up. Be safe. products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.